here in the studio tonight, it's Ian. Oh, let me try that again, Peakless. The censored Peakless Mountaineer. Now we have you. The also censored Captain Kickass is here. I uh, only say that because the FCC censors it. That is true. That's true. It was, I think, Thursday night that I briefly was able to address what had happened with the library case with the SEC uh, <clears throat> Securities and Exchange Commission going after library. What is a security? What is an exchange? Don't what ask is a me. Token? What is it? Yeah. Apparently, according to We've them, made it very clear. Everything is a security as long as they want it to be. Yeah. That seems to be what it is. Um, it's so dumb. Although there was a kind of a split ruling in the Ripple case. We want to get into that coming up here in a moment. But there's two big SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, cases that have been kind of and the on the end stages. Yeah. So the Ripple ruling just came out. Uh, that's not over yet because they have to go through the, uh, the final judgment right. phase, which is what just happened to library. So library had their ruling, I think it was at the end of last year. And now here we are, you know, seven months later, eight months later, and they finally have the final judgment. So, I mean, these the gears of the so-called justice system turn very, very slowly. They turn very, very brutally. Library is a company that created amazing software that we've used here on Free Talk Live for years mm-hmm. uh, that allows anybody to uh, essentially upload whatever media that you want. Could be video, could be audio, could be PDF files, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, you li- put library is still my primary source of video media, right? And and hopefully it will continue to be, even though the library corporation is going to be destroyed. Please become a DAO. Uh, Please become a DAO. Please that is a, a decentralized a autonomous organization. I hope that happens as well. I don't know, you know, when we're going to hear an announcement about that. I have reached out to Jeremy Kaufman, the CEO yeah. of Library, and he's willing to come talk. He, he's talked with us before about the case. And he's he needs a week though. I so. mentioned something on a, a Twitter post that Library made, and I said, "Have y'all thought about becoming a DAO? There's probably mm-hmm. precedent. There's probably mentorship that you could find. There's other a lot of software now. Other organizations yeah. have become DAOs. So like, it's not like you'd be blazing the trail, right? Yeah, it worked for Shapeshift. Yeah, which so, was a, which was a centralized corporation. I would that- I would think that somebody like uh, Voorhees could mm-hmm. connect with Kaufman, and yeah, I would they could so. work They're out both free staters some way to you know. To help, you know, make that go. Right. And you're referring to Shapeshift, which, yep. for a little bit of history, early on there was, uh, Shapeshift was kind of the first of its kind. It was a website, still a centralized system, but it was a way to exchange one cryptocurrency, say Bitcoin, for another, say Dash or something. And it would allow you to do that without having an account. And that was the kind of the big deal with Shapeshift, because normally you'd have to sign up for an exchange and you have to show your ID and jump through all these yep. uh, know your customer hoops. And Shapeshift was a way to uh, avoid that. And then what happened a few years later was some kind of pressure got put on the Shapeshift guys. Eric Voorhees is their C- was their CEO, yep. and he never really spoke about what that was. It was just sort of an unspoken this is happening. Now we have to do know your customer procedures at Shapeshift. It basically killed a good portion of their business. Yeah, because got to do the government monkey dance. When that happened, yeah. I was in Washington State, and uh, I could no longer access Shapeshift, the website, uh, through regular web browsing because mm. your IPs give away your oh, geographic yeah, Washington location. was one of the two states they blocked. Right. Washington, New York, I think, was the other one. Yeah, that's one. right. Yep. And so I could no longer... And it really... Mm, I'm, I'm not trying not to use the wrong words here. Uh, it upset me because uh, Shapeshift 
Uh, I had purchased my first hardware wallet, which was a Keep Key, mm-hmm. uh, and Shapeshift bought Keep Key. Right. And then all of a sudden, when you plug your Keep Key in and try to get on uh, just into your wallet, it's connected with Shapeshift, and it's like, oh, you got a KYC, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't have to KYC when I bought this piece of hardware, so I shouldn't have to KYC to get my data off this piece of hardware. I had to send a thing to their customer service. You know, you got to provide a way for this to happen. I had to be, you know, sort of a Karen about it. Yep. They finally provided a method for the users who got their keep key before Shapeshift purchased them mm-hmm. a way to get your money off of that. And so I did. I moved it and I got a Trazor instead. Mm. And then later on, years later, they're like, oh, okay, now we've figured it out and you don't have to KYC for your keep key anymore. So what makes the common folk, the regular people, uh, the non-libertarians, what makes them believe that? What makes them believe that the justice system is doing justice? What makes them believe that the police system is there to protect, well, them? What makes them believe that the SEC is there to protect consumers? Well, the starting point is the education system. Okay, what else? Uh, the media that continues to tell them how important it is to have these police here and what TV happens if you don't have and it. and film. Mm. I specifically point to the rise of what I like to call cop shows. Mm. And there's even shows that on the surface aren't advertised as cop shows, but they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to remember an obscure, uh, trying to remember the name of it. Uh, it was an obscure sci-fi thing. It was produced in Canada, but it was on like uh, the UPN network or whatever the mm-hmm. uh, station is. And uh, so it was like, oh, this lady from the future uh, has to you know, chase some sort of future criminal back into the past, right? And so she gets to the past, and she ends up buddying up with, like, a cop, and then becomes part of the cop force, mm. and then now she's where, and now it's just another cop Oh, show. the one with the, like, invisible mm. super suit thing? That's the one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I can't remember the name. Quantum something? Uh, I can't remember yeah, the anyway. moment either. It'll come to and, me. And so that was, like, the first show that I was like, this is blatant uh, cop-vertising. Copaganda. Right? Copaganda. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. copaganda. I'm like, this is blatant copaganda. Even though I'm a sci-fi guy, I love science fiction stuff, it had sci-fi elements and all that stuff, and so I kept watching it, but it blatantly became a buddy cop show. Right. And and so like and and then I started looking at other shows that I watch regularly or have watched regularly and I I'm able to go oh here we go again it's becoming a cop drama. If it's not becoming a cop drama, it's becoming a court drama, right? Uh, I can point mm-hmm. to almost zero shows that have gone on for more than a couple of seasons that haven't at some point, talking dramas yeah. or sci-fi yeah. or whatever, that haven't at some point become uh, a court show, mm-hmm. uh, a, a procedural, if uh, you will. Continuum. Continuum, yes. Was, thank uh, you. Uh, okay. Thank you. Continuum was the name of that show. So uh, to me, Hollywood is just as guilty as the government for producing these copaganda shows. Sure they are. Yeah, I'm, I, what amazes me is how uh, almost universal the 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 copaganda is in superhero shows. Yeah. Like oh, it is yeah. always a oh, matter huge, of yeah. like whether, whether it's like a nice happy one like The Flash or a darker one like Arrow, either way we always end up with oh well we've got to buddy up with the cops right. and you know the cops want to do this but that would be illegal so we'll just do it for them. Mm. Yeah, no, and we've got to buddy up with these secret government military programs that's where the real good guys are if superheroes did actually exist in in reality in our reality in our real world uh the first thing that would happen is they would all be rounded up 
Right. <laughs> they would be persecuted. That happened, actually. Worse, worse than the Jews. Uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know if it was Portland or Seattle, but one of those two cities, they actually had the real-life superheroes. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the guy's uh, name uh, in Seattle. Yeah, he, he uh, wore like a me. black and yellow yeah. outfit, and he had like a custom-made He would literally him. go Phoenix out, Jones. Phoenix Jones, yes. He would literally go out on the street <laughs> and patrol yeah. for like street fights or like purse yeah. snatchings or pickpockets and or whatever. And they did target him. Yeah, they the totally did did come after him yeah because well, he would make him look bad right like if if there was really like a superhero quote unquote or a vigilante or whatever yeah. who was going out there and actually busting real bad guys actually stopping violent crimes in progress he's gonna make the cops look bad because oh. they don't do that stuff in a lot of cases did you guys hear that um marvel because now they've been bought by disney yeah has canceled the punisher Yes, yeah, actually we talked about that with Mark uh, a couple weeks <laughs> okay, ago. Okay, good. I figured Mark would be all over because yeah. he's a Marvel fan. But, like, that is, like, first of all, you'll see the Punisher logo on, like, the back of cop cars or yeah, right. cop oh, yeah. personal vehicles or even on their uniform sometimes mm-hmm. uh, or on their phone or something like that. So the cops themselves fancy themselves as vigilantes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what's bizarre is how often you see it paired up with the thin blue line. Yeah. It's sure. like those are opposites. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder how the law enforcement uh, section of society uh, feels about the punishment be- or the punisher being canceled because that's like their hero, mm. right? You know, they like to put them on all their stuff. So, like, how did they get away with canceling this guy when that's like the police mascot, the Marvel police mascot, right? Now, if you read The Punisher at all or pay any attention to the story, you realize that it's a guy who's a former military guy. He's jilted, Mm -hmm. right? And he goes on a vigilante spree because he's like, well, the government isn't doing anything, Mm -hmm. so I'm going to take matters into my own hands, right? And so for the cops to look up to that is disturbing in and of itself, right? For that that to be their sort of hero, the thing they look up to. Their fantasy. Yeah, their fantasy. It's like, that's not what you are, guys. You, You are a gang. Right. right. Uh, if there's any police listening, you are a gang. You wear your colors just because your colors happen to be, you know, the same matching suit that your buddy puts on when you go to work every day. Doesn't make you any less of a gang. That's all you're all you are is a gang. Library is done for as a corporation. They have to disband. There's basically no one left anyway because they have no more money after fighting this case. Right. They don't have enough money to appeal the case. So it is dead in the water. Uh, at this point, unfortunately, that is where that one's going to end. Land of the free, if you can afford it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And now, oh, on top of this, they have to pay $111,000 to the SEC. I don't know if they have that stashed Why? away somewhere. I suspect they don't. Punitive uh, you know, punishments, fines, things like that. Well, freedom isn't free, Captain. Yeah. That's considered one of the lower tiers of fines. So, like, it could be a million dollars, right? It could be more than that, right? So, one hundred eleven thousand dollars. They're supposed to feel like they got off. Uh, they got off easy on that. I one. mean, I think I would just turn the switch off and you know tell them to pound sand. Yeah. Well, collecting. how do you get blood from a stone? Yeah. I mean, I don't like think you're they already have... out of money. So, right. like, what well, are they and they're being do? T- they're being told they have to. Well, they've agreed to get rid of all of their library credits. Sure. So they had millions of the library credits, the LBC, that they. Uh, that was from which they were giving away, yeah. right? They also were selling some of them. Uh, but they have to essentially destroy those. Yeah. So they can't use, they can't turn that into dollars and then use that to pay off the SEC. So, yeah, I don't know if they have $100,000 just sitting around. Or a dollar for that. Yeah, I, I don't know if they do. And I don't know what happens to you if you are an organization that cannot pay 
if you've been bankrupted by and you have no assets basically yeah they yeah they got off light whereas say bank of america who was uh making new accounts and mm-hmm. new credit cards for a tremendous number of their own customers yeah. they paid uh 250 million was it that's recent news right yeah 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 and i gotta say w- wow Wow. Chump change for those just guys. Just chump change. Yeah. I mean, if you like it's a, just a tiny fraction of the enormous amount of money they made from breaking those laws. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk about, oh, you should feel good about the slap on the wrist, maybe well, not when your entire company's been destroyed. No, it's terrible. This is an under-publicized uh, strategy, method, if you will, that government uses, which is... You could be completely 100% in the right to the T. They were. Cross the I's, dot the T's, whatever it is. 100% in the right. Uh, You know, you did all the right things in the eyes of the the letter of the law, right? But if you go bankrupt trying to prove it to them in court, they still win. They win. And so this is an under- it costs about, nothing to them. It costs nothing for well, I mean the government of course just steals more money right. from people to keep the taxpayers afloat. Pay for it. Right, exactly. So they'll print it. But if you're somebody who is being attacked by government uh, and they're saying all sorts of things about you and forcing you to go prove yourself, you mm-hmm. know, quote court of law, unquote, all they got to do is drag that thing out until you're broke and then they yep. win. And this has been going on for years. Same thing's true of the Ripple ruling. One other point about library though is they uh so they're de- they're done for as a, as a company. Now, again, we don't know what's going to happen to the software in the future. It's open source. So right. technically, anybody can pick this up and start developing it. Maybe a decentralized autonomous organization. We'll find out, I guess, over time. So it, it is not the end of the story for Library. That can, hopefully will continue on into the future. But the company itself, the CEO and all that, yeah. uh, that part is is done for. The thing is, the judge didn't rule on whether or not Library is a security which is a strange thing to say when the judge also ruled that they're guilty of selling unregistered securities. Right, yeah. And I was well, reading, I don't know if that is a security, but you definitely sold securities. It's like, uh, right. let's, let's well, replace wait, that with something. One? Let's replace that with something uh, normal, right? Like, uh, uh, you're convicted of selling uh, un- unregistered used cars. Mm-hmm. But we're not sure that what you were selling was a car. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's that absurd. And the judge ruled specifically that holding or purchasing library credits, LBC, for quote-unquote consumptive purposes is okay. So if you – because this was one of the big questions was if you had gone on a cryptocurrency exchange mm-hmm. and you had purchased library credits and put them in your own wallet, mm-hmm. was that a crime? Did the exchange – sell you a security was that an unregistered security that the exchange was that a deal with a, a security that the, is going to put the exchanges in, in jeopardy the customers potentially you know could have to for i don't know yeah. but there could be some consequences from that no apparently that's okay ricky is still with us calling from the commonwealth of pennsylvania go ahead ricky what were you calling about tonight thank you there brother and just wanted to say one thing as far as the quality of that number that I was given, it's exactly the same quality as I'm hearing right now. So that is not true. Oh, oh, you're on your phone, right? So yes, that would be yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, we're talking about the listen top. lines, and I did test them during the break, and the main ones that we list on our website are still working. But the thing is, sometimes 
depending on where you're calling in from, these companies, I don't, and Captain, you tried to figure out how these I, companies make money. I was looking, I couldn't find any. You're a telephony guy, so like yeah. you've worked in the industry for a long time, and you don't know, and you couldn't figure it out. But I, I mean, I'm pretty sure they got to be making some kind of revenue off of these somehow, and they're not inserting advertisements in, so it's not an ad model. I think it's based on some obscure governmental you know, some old telephone rule that the government still have in effect that the average user doesn't have to pay for long distance directly anymore. But at some level, I think some kind of, you know, internal phone company thing is paying for long distance. And so that's somehow how these people make their money. But anyway, they're always like assigning new numbers. And sometimes they have like if you call the number with a cell phone, you might get re- redirected to a different number, whereas if you call it from a landline, they might just go ahead and play you the the thing you're looking for. So it, it seems to depend on the type of phone that you call from. Anyway, what are you calling about Ricky for real tonight? No doubt. Well, it was Thursday night, and uh, I heard a name from the past mentioned. And what happened to him? And that was Ralph the Racist. You yes, know. that's right. The guy who was obsessed with Obama, he used to call Obama. years ago Obama, and he has yeah. really, uh, really a character that o- called Obama. Yeah, that's, what that's the one. Well, here's what I remember. Now I remember it. But I estimate because I I'm not on the internet still yet. But nonetheless, I can't check. But it was about in the middle of the year, give or take. Ricky from the Commonwealth had about a month long feud with Ralph the Racist. Now, here's from memory how this went. I went after Ralph the racist because he was a racist, plus his Obama, and he was just stupid. Well, that went back and forth several calls, but when it started to get really hot was he got that brilliant idea in his infinite wisdom where he's going to pick on my Southern Cross and the Confederacy and all that happy stuff. Ultimately, what happened is I, because I had talked about Weehawken before, and I referenced that, and he was from New Jersey. And I recommended a verbal duel. And What is uh, a said, verbal duel? Well, I said, I said, what I recommended was a, a three-round debate with timing. Now, the only thing that changed with that is Daryl changed the time. So it was basically about, oh, I don't know. For example, this is close. One minute, one minute, one minute each for three And what rounds. was the debate about? What was the subject? And then the closing 30 seconds. Well, uh, basically... Uh, I went after Ralph. Uh, I, well, it was basically, you know, not only the race issue, but it was basically loser leaves show. Now, you said no to that. That's basically the premise of the debate. You said no. And, and what, now, what was Daryl, the judge, our, our former co-host, Daryl Perry? Yeah, was he the he, judge? He had this? a mute button. And what, what, basically what Ralph did was when the first uh, question came out, okay, and that was a the thing. There was questions, you know. Uh, and the first question came out. I was under time. Well, Ralph, Ralph copied me. So basically, mm. Ralph copied me. I don't think we need a whole recap of this debate. End, but, of, uh, end of story. Here's what happened to him. It was after that, you know, and unfortunately, they put it on Facebook. Four people voted, two for Ralph, two for me. Fine. What happened is a call came in sometime after that. This next call from Ralph. And all of a sudden, he, and he was, I know you were on that night. And he said, oh, go, baby, go, Ricky, Confederacy, he's saying all this stuff. Here he met up with some of the boys. Uh, somehow the boys? involved in this. 
Huh? The boys? Well, obviously, some I have a feeling that somebody might have knew him or may have heard of this because all of a sudden he's so pro-Confederacy. And the man was totally scared. You even commented on it, how some of these people in the rural areas, you know. And the funny thing after that, that was kind of like the end of Ralph. Ralph kind of just disappeared soon after that. And I was in on till the beginning of 18. So you think you ran him off? With your debate. Either that or I hate either that or I hate to say it. Maybe Ralph did something more stupid than whatever caused him to get on him in the first place. Could be. Eagles Mountaineer, you wanted to talk about the Ripple ruling here tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you been following this pretty closely? Oh yeah. So first and foremost, what is I, Ripple? Well, okay. So um, Ripple is based. I mean, for all intents and purposes, from everything that I can find out about this thing. So there's uh, XRP, which is a token that I mean, if there is if there has ever been a good argument for for tokens being securities, it's Ripple. Mm-hmm. I mean, like they have just had their fingers in the pie at every step on this, and they have been completely invested in making sure that this coin does well. And uh, everything seems to be oriented around whether the XRP token does things, and that's the basis of this company. So, if anything, there was a a, a good argument for. Oh well, you're just getting around the idea of like releasing stocks or bonds by making these into a cryptocurrency. It was this case, and I was just absolutely certain that this was not going to go the way I wanted to. That the judge would sooner or later rule, yes, this was a security. You are guilty of mm-hmm. these uh, uh, securities laws violations, and the SEC can govern what you're doing. And then all of a sudden, no, no, it went the other way. Well, halfway. Halfway? The Ripple ruling was divided, as I understand it. The Ripple ruling was that the judge ruled that they were indeed guilty of selling unregistered securities, and they will be paying probably very hefty fines for that. But on the other hand, uh, the judge ruled that it wasn't a security when, let's see here. It said it did not violate federal securities law by selling its XRP token on public exchanges. So that was the big relief for a lot of the people that have been passing this news around, Meaning, and which is similar to what the other judge said in the library case about yeah. library, was yeah. if you bought it on an exchange, that was not a securities trade. Mm. But if it was sold by Ripple, then it was. Mm. Same thing with, uh, with the library case, as I understand it. Well, what in the heck sense does that make? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. And in fact, some people are saying that there's going to be an appeal by the Securities and Exchange Commission on the part that they lost, quote unquote, mm. here. And again, they did win part of the case, and they're likely going to have millions of dollars in, in payouts uh, from Ripple on this one. According to a guy on Twitter, he says, I reviewed the district court ruling on Ripple, and it rests on very shaky ground. Expect an appeal. He said the district court found that Ripple's sale of of uh, XRP, which is Ripple, to institutional investors did amount to an unlawful security sale. Ripple presumably received a billion dollars from these sales, which we will, they will be required to likely, quote-unquote, disgorge. So mm. that's the final phase of the, uh, the civil case that we just saw library go through, is the penalties and, quote-unquote, disgorgement. Mm. Uh, and so, and plus penalties and fines. So they'll have to hand over what they made from those sales to the SEC. And then on top of that, additional penalties and fines to the SEC based on their loss in the case.
But the court also found that in the context of the programmatic sale of Ripple to random people, that Ripple did not constitute an investment contract under the Howey test, and thus it was not a security. Hmm. But he says he thinks the court's reasoning is weak, and he will explain why. Uh, Howey, he says, requires three things. A scheme where one, A, invests his money, B, in a common enterprise, and three, is or C, is led to expect profits solely from the efforts of the promoter or a third party. He says the court took issue with prong three. Why is that? Here's what the court said when it did find an investment contract with respect to the institutional investors. Quote, from Ripple's communications marketing campaign and the nature of the institutional sales, reasonable investors would understand that Ripple would use the capital received from its institutional sales to improve the market for XRP and develop uses for the XRP ledger, thereby increasing the value of the XRP. So that was the reasoning behind why, when they sold to institutional investors, that it was indeed a security, quote-unquote. He says it sounds like a lot like what the programmatic buyers would have expected as well. So why the difference? The court mm. found significant that buyers couldn't know who was selling them the XRP, meaning if they were buying on an exchange, they didn't know that they were funding, or they, and they probably weren't directly funding Ripple if they're buying on an exchange. They're probably mm. getting it from other people that want to sell their, uh, their Ripple. Thus, they couldn't have any expectation that it was going to fund the enterprise, which is what the court Ruled, quote, indeed, Ripple's programmatic sales were blind bid-ask transactions, and programmatic buyers could not have known if their payments or money went to Ripple or any other seller of XRP. According to the story here at Reuters, the ruling by District Judge Annalisa Torres was the first win for a crypto company in a case brought by the Securities and Exchange Commission, though it did give the SEC a partial victory. And uh, while the decision is specific to the facts of the case, it will likely provide ammunition for other crypto firms battling the SEC over whether their products fall under the regulator's jurisdiction. The SEC spokes bureaucrat said the agency was pleased with part of the ruling in which the judge held that Ripple violated securities law by selling XRP directly to sophisticated investors. It is possible for the ruling to be appealed once the final judgment is issued or if the appeal is allowed beforehand. The SEC spokesbureaucrat said they were reviewing the decision. Ripple's chief executive, Brad Garlinghouse, in an interview called the ruling, quote, a huge win for Ripple, but more importantly, for the industry overall in the U.S. But what this guy is saying on Twitter, and his name, give him credit, is Brian Jacotot, B-R-Y-A-N-J-A-C-O-U-T-O-T, is he thinks that if uh, the SEC appeals this, and why wouldn't they? Right. You know, they have an unlimited budget. Oh, yeah. So they didn't get the full ruling in their favor, so they can appeal the thing that didn't go in their favor. He believes that the appeals court will reverse this uh, decision and rule in favor of the SEC. Well, on, uh, and what got released in the news, at any rate, immediately after this court ruling was released, was that uh, the judge had ruled that XRP was not a security. So that's, uh, to answer your question, Captain, that is what caused the massive pump in the market. Right. Was that, okay... XRP is not a security. And if XRP is not a security, then you have a really, really hard time arguing that anything else is. Right. And the, and it certainly helped matters that this was determined in New York's court. Oh, was so, it? Yeah. So the, the most restrictive in terms of cryptocurrency uh, uh, 
uh, jurisdiction yep. had determined that this, which was, I mean, if if you were going to make a case for anything being a security, this was probably your best bet. Right. And even in this case, the judge had said that this was not a security. So that that was really the, the under news certain circumstances. Well, it was a security, they said, when they sold it to institutional yeah. investors. I, mm. All this all this gyration with the SEC and these court cases uh, really just makes the solution clear, and that is that all cryptocurrencies and all cryptocurrency, we'll call them businesses or utilities, if you will, uh, need to be decentralized autonomous organizations. Well, yeah, and that's true. Remember, because they can. Like, here is a brand new technology that has the ability to exist without permission, and we have a whole bunch of human beings running around yeah. going, please, master, please mm. tell me how to do my thing so I can do it without you persecuting. No, don't do that. Employ the crypto uh, enthusiasts, the old cypherpunks, the developers, employ them to build a DAO to accomplish the task you want to attack but, and and take a page out of Satoshi's book and put it out in the wilderness. But that's the thing. Ripple's never going to do that because right. they're in search of major then profits. Let it die. I agree. Let it die. But they're in search of major profits, so they need to have a centralized organization so they can have their CEO put a suit on and go and meet these bankers and try to sell them on their product. So Ripple's never going to go in a decentralized way. And I agree right. with you. If they yeah. if they go down for it, then that's fine. Um well, but that's in uh, that is of course the opposite to desire of uh, all of the financial people in the U.S. So what they want, they want that permission to come from the government so that they can start investing in this mm-hmm. without being concerned that they're going to go to jail for it. Yeah. Now, a, a huge thing that that this all seems to turn on, though, is the so this okay. Well, we've got this Howey test for what is and isn't a security, but the thing that hasn't been dealt with directly and absolutely needs to is the question of uh, very simply if this is sufficiently decentralized then can we say that it has this third party that's causing all of the the increase in value now if we don't add that if we don't add the fact that like look you have to be able to point somewhere to this is the entity that is increasing the value of the thing. If we don't have that change to the Howey test, then the SEC will be able to run absolutely everything that exists. Mm -hmm. And here's why. So, like, a bottle of wine, for example. Mm -hmm. Now, if I hold on to this bottle of wine and turn it, you know, then it will increase in value. Good chance of it, yeah. And, I mean, it won't exactly be my efforts that made this bottle of wine increase mm-hmm. in its value. Well, well, isn't that a security? All of a sudden, my bottle of wine is a security? They could make the argument. Right. Whereas, if you go, now, wait a second, that's not increasing because there's some wine bottle corporation that is uh, increasing the hype or, or offering something in exchange for these bottles of wine. What it is, is just the global market is desiring that more as time passes. But a big question here, I think, in this Ripple case is, will this ruling that's being celebrated right now in a lot of these uh, cryptocurrency circles, uh, will this ruling actually help these other people? Well, you could reference it in your case. Because remember, the SEC has opened a bunch of other cases against a bunch of other cryptocurrency oh, yeah. companies. And they're not, they're not done. Yeah, they're not going to no, just no. pull out. They're, they're not going to say, oh, well, shoot. 
Ah, oh, shucks. We didn't get a total victory in that I case. I was trying to take over the world, but, you know, someone told me not to. Yeah, we're just going to go home. We're folding it in. Cancel the cases. No, no, no. They're going to go forward with this because, as far as they're concerned, this is just one little district court judge in New York. It's a big mm-hmm. state, no doubt. Big, you know, district. But it's just one district court judge ruling. They can appeal this ruling, and they likely will because, again, they have no limit to their, their funds. Further... They can go to these other district courts in California and Florida or wherever it is these other cases are filed, yeah, yeah. and they can roll the dice with those district court judges and say, maybe these other judges will rule completely in our favor. Either way, whoever it is they're going after right now, Coinbase, Binance, etc., yeah. they all got a lawyer up, and they got to pay big monies into their attorneys just to fight these cases for however many years it's going to take, rather than focus on building their business, sure. improving but, their customer service. But the point still stands. The only way that we're going to get through this is for people to begin to stand up for themselves oh, yeah. and their businesses. That's like, the larger like, point. Like, yes. like the outcome is, yeah, I get that. Like People will be like, oh, gosh, they have all the guns and they're going to come after me and threaten yep. me to put me in jail. Like, And so they're going to cower. I get that that's what's going to happen now, but that doesn't stop the tyranny. That doesn't stop no. the persecution. That doesn't stop the government from coming after anybody and everybody who has ever dealt in cryptocurrency for some manufactured reason because they want to control you. And until people start standing up for themselves and their neighbors and their neighbors' businesses and each other, then the tyranny is just going to continue and the government will always win. It says here in this story from Reuters, the SEC has brought more than 100 enforcement crypto actions claiming various tokens are securities. And that's just the SEC. That doesn't include the FBI. That doesn't include uh, any of the other alphabet agencies that are prosecuting cryptocurrency people and or organizations. one of them. Right. So I, I'm uh, sort of skimming my way through the actual court release, like the the court document. The that yes, mm, can and, we and can there, we do the test just, How many pages uh, is it? Uh, I doesn't tell me, but okay. like the, there's just this one sentence that I think, uh, or rather two sentences that I think really sort of wraps mm-hmm. up the entire uh, the, the whole sentiment here. Uh, here, the defendants argue that XRP does not have the character uh, in commerce of a security and is akin to other ordinary assets like gold, silver, and sugar. Fair but, argument. Right. This argument misses the point because ordinary assets like gold, silver, and sugar may be sold as investment contracts depending on the circumstances of those sales. Mm. So I think that's really the the crux of this whole thing. Is So what they've determined is XRP isn't a security, mm-hmm. but if you wrap that into a contract, then it can be sold as a security in the same way that gold is not a security because it doesn't have that like counterparty risk or anything mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. but you can wrap that into a security. Okay, but what is a security? You have what? a test about this, right? This is a court test. Yeah, the, the, the Howie, Howie test, test that we've mentioned a couple of times in the previous segment here tonight. Uh, it consists of four elements often referred to as prongs. According to the test, a transaction is a security if it is, one, an investment of money, two, in a common enterprise, Three, with the expectation of profit, or four, to be derived from the efforts of others. Yeah. Or four? Uh, it says or four. Okay. And so it's a... But it has to meet... <clears throat> one, two, three, or four, I guess. So it has to meet one, two, and then either three or four? It, that's what it sounds okay. like, according to this definition from uh, mm-hmm. Cointelegraph.com. 
And this, as I understand it, was created by the courts. The Howey test was not uh, I, something created by I would the look, legislature. I would look yeah, I'm pretty to somebody sure it requires like all, all of those elements. That. I'm pretty sure it uh, requires all of those elements. Sorry, what was the question? Some guy named Howey invented this, but was it a well, government no, it wasn't, invention? Uh, it, it wasn't uh, Howey that invented it. It was the, uh, Howey was the... Uh, Supreme Court case. Right. According uh, to Investopedia. Right, exactly. Howey was the was the case. So who invented the test? The courts. The courts. Oh. Yeah. The uh, courts, uh, they, they took a look at this case and they said, okay, here is how we have come to the uh, certainty that this was a security. It's sounds because like, it met these requirements. Sounds like more legislation from the bench. Yeah. And, and this goes and all the way can, back and, to 1946, and, by right. the way. And you can divide that into three or into four. So, you, so an investment of money in a common enterprise are uh, are usually considered to be two different points mm-hmm. and then the other one is either with the expectation of profit to be derived from the efforts of others or you divide that into the expectation of profit and the uh, derived from the efforts of others mm-hmm. so there you go so for example uh so gold definitely not a security in and of itself but if I make a contract with you where I'm doing something with that gold for you so that you will gain a profit from it, that's a security. Mm, gold is not an enterprise, though. What's going to be fun is when uh, cryptocurrency, the blockchain technologies, these organizations, whether they're decentralized or not, when they find a way to work around the stock exchange, the stock market, mm-hmm. right, to where... They can operate off hours, whereas the stock exchanges can't or mm-hmm. don't because of their own self-imposed rules. Uh, that's going to be fun because when the stock market and the stock exchange become secondary to blockchain technology, oh, blockchain be, organizations, awesome. right? Mm-hmm. There will be an inversion. We've seen it happen with the internet, right? We saw uh, the internet used to run over copper wire. Right, right. You used mm-hmm. to have to have a modem that made a horrible sound <laughs> when you plugged it in, and and now. Uh, that's all been inverted. All the copper's been replaced with fiber, right? So now it's all digital. And now telephones, which used to run over copper exclusively, have been digitized and absorbed by the digital market. Right. right? So we'll see that same inversion with the financial mm. markets. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. Well, and, yeah. and I just, based on what you were saying there, it made me curious. What is the stock market worth in the United States, according to uh, search it says the New York Stock Exchange, being the largest stock exchange in the world, has a equity market capitalization of nearly 24.3 trillion US dollars as of May of 2023. The current crypto market is I believe over 1 trillion dollars in value. I'll give you a quick check on that from Sounds like a 25 gecko. 1.2. Okay. Uh 1.25 trillion. So, so a nice round layman's numbers, it's a 25 to 1. Yeah, so it's not within striking distance quite yet, but it's in the, I would say it's in the ballpark, right? You know, mm-hmm. like it's in the trillions at yep. this point. So just got to get up to 25 trillion and then it's going to be on par. Yeah, and I think it's what, possible. And I think what really, really terrifies both the the very rich Wall Street people and the regulators, but I repeat myself, mm-hmm. uh, I think what truly terrifies these people the most is that we will go around their entire stock market system. Right. Mm-hmm. So that just in the same way as you as you have say, okay, well, I'm going to have a tether to the dollar. So if you want to at any time, I have enough and I can show you that I have enough that I can turn these into dollars for you. 
that you might just do the same thing with, say, GameStop stocks. They and here's my that. GameStop stock pegged cryptocurrency. They have those. So that, oh, well, the market's closed, or we're not trading yeah. that on Robinhood anymore, but, but here I am on a decentralized exchange with a GameStop stock pegged cryptocurrency. At three in the morning on a Sunday. three in the morning mm-hmm. on a Sunday mm-hmm. in Taiwan, and you can still get it in New York. Right. I don't know what blockchain it is, but I have heard that those things exist. They have these things that are somehow pegged. I don't know how it works. I've not taken the time to look into it, but they have sort of, quote unquote, stock cryptos that are associated Mm -hmm. with Tesla and Apple computer and, you know, you name it. I don't I don't know if it's all the stocks. It might just be the the biggies or something like that. And I have no idea how the price oracles work with that. But that's already here. Right. And that's what scares them, Mm -hmm. because then you have a situation where like. So many hedge funds have shorted whichever stock it is. Like they've all they've all made these enormous bets that this will go down in value. And here you are pumping up the value. So all their crooked friends that can regulate these things say, oh, well, we can't trade this anymore. But there you are still trading it, (laughs) destroying their shorts. And you might end up crashing things like Black uh, Black Rock and Vanguard and State Street and all of these horribly corrupt organizations that have been keeping us down in the first place. That scares them. Charles is calling us from Alamogordo, New Mexico, listening to KENN. Go ahead, Charles. Hello, guys. It's been a while since I talked to you. Welcome, hey, sir. Hey, uh, I, was call- I was calling because of what you were talking about earlier about the hedge funds and people who are responsible for all that. And uh, I realized that not so long ago, my trailer park where I live at, yeah, I live in a trailer, but it's a nice trailer park. And it exchanged hands recently, about nine, ten months ago. Okay. And um, uh, I got tired every month. Uh, someone would come over here claiming to be a manager, give me uh, a letter of threat to evict because I didn't pay my rent. And I, I've got receipts. I got receipts. I got all the proof, everything, okay? Mm-hmm. And I got tired of it on the eighth, eighth time. <laughs> I got really upset, and she was acting wild. The manager was. She was running up on my steps at my trailer. I own the house, but I'm renting the land. Sure, that's and, pretty uh, common with a trailer park, right? You own I the trailer, it, but you got to pay yeah. the park rent. Yes, yes, sir. And I filed a complaint because for trespassing, violating my rights, impeding on, on my rights to just keep back and relax, right? Mm-hmm. Eight, for eight times. And I got receipts to prove all this. And they've never, ever evicted me or did it officially as far as giving me the the, uh, uh, the, the paperwork, okay? Yeah. And they, I mean, they're trespassing and they don't even understand what the law is because they are. They have to send me a request or get in touch with me to make, have an interview so they can come over, make an appointment. They cannot just come to you and say, hey, you owe us money. And not only that, they did that in front of a client of mine who's going to invest $5,000 in a, in a laundry mat, and I lost my client because mm. of that because he's hearing I can't pay my bills. Yeah, that doesn't anyway, look good. Okay, check this out. In New Mexico, you got 20 days to answer the uh, complaint from the plaintiff from to defend it to the courts, right? you got 20 days. Okay. So they didn't answer. They didn't say nothing. They, uh, acquiescence is, is uh, guilt. And um, mm. I saw so I went ahead and filed for default, judgment for default. Yep. Okay, 10 days surpassed. And uh, seven days later, then I get a letter. And hold on, just before oh. you go on, Charles, you're suing them based on what? For trespassing. Isn't that a criminal, isn't that a criminal charge? Yeah, it should be. It sure is. It's a misdemeanor, high misdemeanor. 
Can yeah, you bring? You no, no, no. You can't bring criminal charges against anyone. Uh, not right. in this country. That's what I thought. So how but, are you? But doing? Uh, trespass is uh, since they since it's basically a form of theft. Uh, they have damaged you, so you can sue them for the the money lost. There. So, so this is a civil court case. Yes, sir. It's, okay. it's a magistrate, small claims. I see. Okay. So you know. So, anyways, all time had passed, and then this letter comes in to me and the courts dated at a certain date, and they had they didn't, they didn't answer the complaint, they didn't, they didn't answer the uh, uh, the judgment for default, and then they waited six seven days thereafter. Then we got something to the courts. I mean, mm-hmm. the law already says it's up to the the lawyer, the judge, to make his uh, decision what he wants to do, how he's going to proceed with them paying you. Yeah, if I'm correct, I'm asking for your help too on this. But the thing, the big surprise is, I found out who the landlord is, and um, his name is uh, Jarkesy, George Jarkesy. He was involved. Uh, he was uh, recently char- he was charged, and he was recently sentenced on May 19th, um, summer 2004. 24 million under management. SEC eventually ruled that both Mr. Jarkesy. And funds advisor, Patriot 28, misrepresented, who served as a prime broker and auditor, the funds parameters, parameters, sorry, perimeters, so safeguard, and the funds assets in order to increase the fees they charged. You're saying he was involved in an SEC lawsuit that they sued him? No, they they charged him. They charged him. Yes. Okay. Okay. So this guy who was in a hedge fund has now gone and bought himself a trailer park. Check this out. He was the not only the hedge fund manager, he mm-hmm. was a brokerage CEO. And they charged him with fraud. So he got um, found he was found responsible or guilty of that fraud? I'll read it to you by quote. I mean here I go. Washington, D.C., March 22, 2013, Securities and Exchange Commission today announced charges against the Houston-based hedge fund manager and his firm accused of defrauding investors to hedge funds and steering bloated fees to a brokerage from CEO who also was charged in the SEC. So is this crim- this was a criminal charge? This was, yeah, this was, this is the guy I have to take to court, and he sent it, okay, okay, watch, let me Just to me. clarify uh, something in your story, Charles. You said that the manager of the trailer park was coming around trying to collect from you when you'd already paid them. Was this happening before this new guy bought the park, or did that start happening afterwards? Absolutely not. Never, ever happened before in my life. At least in Albuquerque, their buses aren't being targeted by cluster bombs, which is happening apparently now. They're not being targeted by cluster bombs yet. Yeah, thank right. thank goodness. Just wait until the uh, U.S. government starts a war with the drug cartels, and right. we'll see if that changes. Well, uh, I have it on good authority that the use of cluster bombs is unacceptable. This is what I believe over 100 or 120 countries have agreed, mm. that the use of cluster bombs is unacceptable, and they have signed a uh, Do we know what treaty. a cluster bomb is? We will get into that here shortly. They've signed a treaty, and I don't know if this article mentions the number exactly, but I've seen it elsewhere. I believe it is well over 100. And uh, they've decided that cluster bombs are particularly nasty as far as bombs are concerned. Obviously, all bombs probably not good, uh, but if you're going to choose a bomb to use, maybe don't choose one that breaks apart in the air, according to TheGuardian.com, and releases multiple explosive submunitions or bomblets across a wide area. 
There is a fine illustration of this in Iron Man 1. Okay. Uh, there's, uh, you know, they're given some sort of a demo for Stark Technologies. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's the classic walk away with an explosion in the background scene. Yep. yep. Right. Where they show, they, de- they show in the background the, the bomb that explodes in the air and then many explosions mm-hmm. after that explode and shrapnel goes everywhere, piercing everything. It is devastating. Yeah, that's the movie version where it actually does blow up as intended. You'll learn the real-life version is very different. So they can be delivered by planes, artillery, missiles, according to the International Committee of the Red Cross. The bomblets, as they're called, are designed to detonate upon hitting the ground, and anyone in that area is very likely to be killed or seriously injured. Beyond the initial damage caused by the munitions upon impact... Many bomblets fail to detonate immediately. In fact, up to 40% of these bomblets <laughs> have failed to explode in some recent conflicts, according to the Red Cross what's, committee. What's, oh, the old, so, what, what's the old phrase? Uh, ah, good enough for the government. Yeah, Close good enough, enough for government, government work. work yeah. yeah. So the reason that uh, that these are more or less universally considered a big no-no is not because... Well, that's just too efficient of a way of delivering explosives. It's, yeah, that seems to be an efficient way to deliver unexploded bombs to random areas. Correct, where little children might be coming around after the war's over and picking up these little bomblets. I don't know how big they are, but the idea being that average people, more of them, because obviously average people die in conflicts and it's tragic and that's why war shouldn't happen at all. But even more regular people who come around to fill whatever areas they are after the war is over will come across these unexploded uh, bombs and possibly go ahead and set them off. And bomblets, you know, sound like less uh, menacing than than mm-hmm. bombs. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, Muppet Babies, right? It's, <laughs> you know, they take a thing and make a tiny thing out of it. And, like, Bomblet you know, babies. Yeah. And another thing that the United States government thugs do not recognize is the treaty that was created in 2008. It is called the Convention on Cluster Munitions. It's an international treaty that prohibits all use, transfer, production, and stockpiling of cluster munitions, which is this weapon that we were describing to you in the last segment that essentially explodes and... uh, distributes its quote-unquote bomblets over a certain area. I'm not sure how large that area is, but uh, these little smaller bombs that apparently as many as 40% do not explode upon impact, which is what they're supposed to do. So therefore you have all these bomblets scattered about, and as a result of that, well, later on when just normal people are going about their normal daily business, they get blown up. According to TheGuardian.com, in a sort of Q&A explainer article published recently about these cluster bombs, they say human rights groups say the use of cluster bombs in populated areas is a violation of international humanitarian law because they cause indiscriminate destruction. 60% of cluster bomb casualties are people who are injured while undertaking everyday activities. 60%? Wow. That's right. One-third of all recorded cluster munitions casualties are children. So therefore, more than 100, and they say 120 countries here. Wikipedia says it's 111, but either way, it's a lot of countries have signed this convention on cluster munitions, which prohibits the use production. Yeah, there's only transfer. like 200 countries on planet Earth anyway. So Guess right. which countries haven't signed it. Pick three. Mm, uh, Russia, China, Russia, and the U.S. Uh, okay, Russia and the U.S. have not signed it. And also, the Ukraine. Ukraine. Right. 
And you're correct, China is also not on that list. Yeah, but because when you're on the uh, when you're on the High Council of War, you don't have to you know follow international laws. But even some of the other big uh, you know G7 types of countries, the United Kingdom, they've signed it. Uh, Canada, they've signed it. And uh, Mexico's, Mexico's not on the G7, but Mexico's well, signed it as well. You gotta be, you gotta be strong and murder children. Japan so, has signed so it. So what, what does the treaty say, basically, that you can't have or stockpile clusters? You cannot use, have, or stockpile, well, you can't use transfer. You can't even sell them. Okay. okay you gotta get rid I was of these thinking things. for a minute that like it makes sense that like a bunch of co- uh, countries who uh, sort of get their arms from the U.S. might sign this if... The U.S. could just give them to them. They're not allowed to, to According transfer. to the treaty, right. Uh, and according to Who the, enforces this treaty? I pre- I don't know. No I, one. Whatever this convention is. The Convention on Cluster Munitions. Uh, according to the it's story, the honor system. 99% of global stockpiles have been destroyed, according to the Cluster Munition Coalition, since well the adoption. What did they do? Of- Drop a cluster bomb on them? <laughs> Uh, the weapons were first used in the Second World War, and at least 15 countries have used them in the years after, according to Reuters, including Eritrea, Ethiopia, France, Israel, Morocco, the Netherlands, Britain, Russia, and the United States. The U.S. dropped an estimated 260 million cluster munitions in Laos between 1964 and 1973. So far, fewer than 400,000, that's 0.47% of what they dropped, have been cleared and at least 11,000 people have been killed, according to Reuters. Well, hold on. Hold on. So there was like a billion of these things on Earth? Uh, maybe so. I mean, check my math here, but like if if America dropped over 100,000 of these things... 260 million, they said. Oh, sorry. In, in a 10-year it, period. If, uh, if I'm America presuming they're counting all the bomblets. million of these, and 99% of them were destroyed, that's... That's over two billion of these things that did exist. Perhaps so. And I don't know if they're counting the bomblets when they count that or the containers. Yeah. Mm, tough call. Either yeah, way. You, you were uh, saying, to, what did they do, drop a cluster bomb on it? Well, they would have only gotten rid of about half if they had. Mm. <laughs> How does one destroy bombs? Uh, carefully yeah very, very carefully very carefully i mean we've not heard of like some sort of uh industrial space shuttle carrying these munitions out into space and hurling towards the sun right that's true all right so we don't know that they've actually been destroyed they say russian troops have used cluster munitions in populated areas in ukraine According to research by The Guardian, which has resulted in the deaths of scores of civilians, Ukraine has also used cluster bombs in efforts to retake Russian-occupied territory, according to Human Rights Watch. So essentially, Ukraine is going to be peppered with these bomblets from here until they're gone. And they're going to be gone by either somehow detecting and dealing with them or just average people accidentally setting them off. By walking next to them or however it is you set these things off. And now the United States has said, we're going to go ahead and add some more bomblets to the party here. And they're going to send even more of these things over to the Ukrainian government. And this is what's been in the news in the last couple of weeks because, well, again, these over 100 plus countries say this is a uh, human rights violation. This is a war crime. And the funny thing is... The Biden administration a year ago or so was saying that this was a war crime. 
Hmm. Yeah, I've seen um, the the footage of. Right. I'm trying to. What, what was her name? The redhead. Saki. P. Saki. Uh, saying that uh, if Russia uses cluster munitions against the Ukraine, it will be considered a war crime. And this yeah. is from a couple of years ago. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live, and more. All for free at freetalklive.com.